Welcome back to Finding Nicholas. Man, good to be back. Round two, season two, episode two. Starting your journey, part two. Yeah. Well, good. I want to keep it more upbeat than last time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Overall, before we get started, we'll just do a, a brief recap of where I was in this hero's journey. The first step in Joseph Campbell's hero's journey is status quo. This is where your ordinary world, everything you're used to, ignorance is bliss type deal. For me, that meant I was prone to striving for other people's attention and acceptance. Would get it in spurts, but I always felt I was working for their love, working for their approval, particularly my parents, friends, girls. I was always watching television and other people trying to model myself after them and the qualities I thought were that other people found attractive. If somebody... If a gang of people were like, this person can dance and we love them, then I wanted to do that too. If the athlete was super popular and getting all of the attention, then that's what I wanted to become. Though on the inside, there was this constant war between maybe who I really was and who I was trying to be. The way this manifested itself or evolved over time was that I achieved outward success, like all the external things that everybody looks for as cues for someone being successful or attractive or intelligent. That was me now. And there's the weight of me trying to hold that up. And eventually it just became too much. I was a manipulator, possibly sex addicted, addicted to style or fashion. Was always like to make people laugh and feel comfortable and to neutralize situations, to keep the peace and not rock the boat. It was a very fragile life that I'd created because who I was was always hinged on my current reputation and what other people thought of me. So I tried not to do things that would ruffle feathers and just keep me in a good space. That's who I was. And I was a liar. Couldn't really stay faithful to anyone that was that was me. Then the next step in Joseph Campbell's journey is the call to adventure. And this is where you just don't want to be that person anymore. Or maybe not quite that, but this call suggests to you that you can be more. Or that whatever you're doing is not you. It's off-center. You toss a dart at the dartboard, and from afar, you think you're, you've hit a bullseye. 
But up close, as you walk up there to retrieve your dart, you realize it's just off. And for some of us, we're just off a little bit. And for others, we've missed the entire board. And I think I was probably on the fringe at the bottom of the board, pretty close to being off entirely. Uh, yeah, I'd been to jail, uh, kicked out of school, been sus- you know suspended from school before. It, it, all this stuff that happened that feels like a lifetime ago was my normal, but this call to adventure said, that's enough. Here's who you really are. Let me show you. Which brings me to the point of where we are today in today's episode, which is the refusal of the call. The, so to take us back to where we last were, I was high school teacher. I'd had a panic attack. Felt like I was having a stroke. Went to the emergency room. Got all these tests, x-ray, EKG, blood test, like all these things. And the guy basically was like, yo, could just be dehydration. To which I was like, nah, nah, I'm dying. Please admit me to the hospital. He was like, nope, got to discharge you. And from there, I went home, drank wine in the bed with a bunch of chocolate during the middle of like a tornado warning. I came back to the school and... This thing inside me said, you got to leave. You got to quit. And I thought of all the reasons why I shouldn't. I was like, well, what are we going to do for money? What are we going to do next, period? Naturally, you think, am I going to have to move back home? Will I have to get a roommate? Do I, am I even equipped with the skills to make me successful in this new endeavor? And I liked where I was. As crazy as it was and all the things I was doing that were more like medicine and didn't cure what was really ailing me on the inside, I was comfortable with it. Meeting a lot of different women and getting the attention that I needed from them and the love that I needed from them the independence, the proxi- where I was living, the proximity to all the attractions, the amenities there. I was very comfortable in my ignorance and in my pain. And so I was given my contract to renew and I renewed it. Signed my name, turned it in. Immediately, I felt regret. I don't know how to explain it. I just felt like I'd left my, I'd, I'd let myself down. There was this other part of me that said, Nick, that was, that was the wrong answer. Here was your opportunity to have faith and to trust God and, you know, whatever you want to say, the universe, the creator, source energy. And I betrayed myself. I actually heard um, Miles Monroe, uh, the late preacher and teacher, Miles Monroe, say that someone asked, what is sin? And he said, sin 
is when you betray yourself because God is in you, right? And I betrayed myself. I listened to the world. I listened to all the many thousands or hundreds of people I felt like who understood life and me better than me. And so I went back, had the summer off, lived life. But when I came back to school, my chest hurt, my stomach was upset. Pressure in my head, and I was angry. I was angry in part because I knew I would have to fake the funk. <laughs> you know, despite how often, you know, despite how I felt on the inside and how I, how I do feel oftentimes on the inside, when I'm doing things I don't want to do, some people outwardly express that. They let you know they're unhappy, right? They let you know they're disinterested. Me, I mask it. I smile, I do all the right things. I show up and I do my job. I do my job 110%. But that was becoming harder for me. The showing up and faking it was no longer easy. It was like this other side of me said, we're tired. And it was like the fake side of me too was tired. So I was doubly tired, tired all the way around. I was tired of faking it. I was tired of not being me. And yet here I was for the sake of a dollar and for the sake of some pleasure, I was back. Wasn't happy with the money, wasn't happy with the job. And yet I was making that drive to work every day, showing up early, doing it, doing it well against everything in me. Does that resonate with anybody listening at all. I read that 80% of people, I think in North America or in the United States, hate their job. That's a ton of people. That's eight out of every 10 people. You go off to work and, or you get on the highway, you pass 100 cars going to work. It's like 80 people, 80 of those cars hate where they're going. And yet, we look at, like, you see people speeding to get there. Like, they will kill you. If you're living in Atlanta, yeah. Yeah, they'll run you right off 85, yeah, Highway 20. They, they, will, they will kill you. So, and it's crazy that these people are, are driving like that to get somewhere they don't want to be, is my point. So, I was one of those people rushing to get somewhere that I was not happy, discontented, unfulfilled, whatever word you want to put there to say that there was an emptiness that was not being filled. That was, that was it. And don't get me wrong, I love working with the kids. I love helping people. So there was that aspect which kept me alive. <laughs> but I think that says something too, that you can, you can do things that you're equipped for, that you're anointed for, that you're skilled in, and still not be happy with it. It's like seeing somebody walking down the street and they're seven feet tall and 
you walk up to them and say, do you play basketball somewhere? And they're like, no. And then we're all like, that's a waste of height. You should be in the NBA making millions. And this person might simply reply like, hey, I'm not even good at basketball. Or I don't like basketball. And then we just can't really understand it. We're like, what? Like, what do you mean? Look at the height. Therefore, you should be doing this and you should probably enjoy doing it. And going one step further, you can like something, but because of circumstances and people and time and what's going on inside you, the, thing, the things that maybe you're designed for have a place. There's a forum for that. You might be an excellent communicator, but it doesn't mean that you were built for being a classroom teacher. Rather, it might mean that you need to be an actor, an actress, or a sales trainer, or just work in sales, period, or do voiceover work, you know, like something like that, run a nonprofit. But when you're misaligned, even good stuff can feel bad to you. And so here I was doing good things at, at the school, showing up for them, debate club and Bo's mentoring, young men group, teaching. And I didn't find any real satisfaction there. And I knew deep down is because I betrayed it. It said, hey, call to adventure. Nick, I want you to do something else. Become a motivational speaker. Develop some programs, work with some kids, design some courses about how to develop genuine, you know, authentic confidence and so forth. And I, I failed. <laughs> I failed and I went back. Every, now to take it on, on another point to the side, when you betray yourself and you refuse the call, you have to think about where do you, where do you go? Right? It's like Robert Frost, you know, two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and I took the one less traveled by. Right? It's you look at it, and something in you says, "Go left." That's where your treasure lies. Go left. If you refuse that and you don't go left, where did you go? Did you stand still? Did you go right? Did you go straight? Did you carve some other path? And you don't know what any of those hold, but I can tell you from experience, when you don't heed that call, you retreat back into your comfort zone, the things you've always done. If you were addicted to gambling and alcohol, lying, cheating, greed, sex addiction, whatever it might be, that's most likely where you go. And to deal with the pain of letting yourself down, and because there's going to be more pain, right? Because you refuse to do what you knew you were supposed to do, you double down on, on your sins. You double down on your vices. Because the pain is greater, therefore, your quote-unquote medicine must be greater. 
you were in a relationship and you were doing just fine, but you were dissatisfied in your work and now you're unhappy, you're maybe unhappier than you've ever been. And now, you, now what are you gonna do? You're gonna go compromise your relationship. The love and the attention and all the, 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 the emotional needs that were being met, you move into this other space where you need more of it, which means this, your, your, your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, whoever, is gonna have to start doing more or you're going to have multiple par partners. Now, I can't say that as being true for everybody, but that's kind of where I was. And I've often just fallen into that place of whatever my vices were, let's double down. If we like clothes and we like shopping and looking good, we're, we're now gonna buy more clothes. I did that. If we like smelling good and like all the, the fancy colognes, what are we gonna do? I'm gonna buy some more. If we liked traveling and, and just being free and going off and doing that, what do we do? We're gonna do more of that now. It's unsustainable, unsustainable. The, there are consequences for not going where you should go. It can come in the form of delays. It can come in the form of not getting the thing at all. It can come in the form of destroying everything else around you to go get what you think you should get or deserve. Do you know what I mean? When you see someone who's Quote, 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 unquote, again, made it in life. They got the money, they got all the accolades, all the recognition, and they're still unhappy, and their children don't like them, and they don't have friends, and they're contemplating suicide. And you're thinking, what was it for? What was it all about? Everything that you tried failed in the ways that were most meaningful and significant, at least to your core being. And it's a, there's a ripple effect to not following the path, to not taking the journey. You can look back on your life and see the many instances where you just refused to do what the heck you knew you should have been doing. Take this path. Nope. Just analyze it, look at it, what happened? Nick, don't steal this. What happened? Jail. Nick, leave your job. No, what happened? We're back again and it's worse than before. Anxiety, worse than before. Mental turmoil, worse than before. Nick, you need to get out of this relationship because you're not happy. This other person might be so in love with you, but they're also not really happy with you because they want more and nobody's gonna say anything. And now you're in the situationship that's been carrying on for one year, two years, two years, three years. You need to get out of there and let everybody be free and start over and heal. No, boom, no. 
You don't do it. What happened? You're there another six months. You're there for another year. You got married. You had a baby. Now you're really stuck. And that's, that's what was happening. That is what was happening. That's fighting for any kind of... engagement, event that would catapult me, you know, dynamite me to where I should be. But the problem is all those medicines were not for my issue. You know what I mean? It's like having... Your, your leg is cut off and it's bleeding profusely and somebody runs to the store and gets you some Tums for like acid reflux and, <laughs> and you're like, I don't need that. And we're all like, duh, of course you don't. Except when you're blind and you're doing all this dumb stuff and you're not dealing with your issues, the Tums in your mind make sense. You take Tums and you're like, is my leg healed yet? No. Well, let me take more. No. Let me take a few more. No. You take the whole bottle. No. So you go get a, a Tums competitor that does the same thing and it's just a new brand, new bottle, hoping for a different result. There, you, you hate certain types of men or women in your dating experience. And what the problem is, you're attracted to a type. But you keep thinking of it as it's this individual person. So you jump to the next person and the next person and the next person. And the same things keep happening because it's not the individual, it's the type you're attracted to. And so in that space of refusing the call, I'm telling you right now, you've got to pay attention to what you're attracted to. Because in the Bible, it says there is a path that appears right unto a man, but leads towards destruction. So it also follows that up with somewhere else in there that it says, you know, lean not on your own understanding. And it's funny how we think we just know it all. So I refused the call because I thought, yeah, need money, need sex, need freedom, need amenities, need clothes. I need all these things to you know, assuage my ego. And that wasn't it. That wasn't it. So let's go to the next step, which is the meeting of the mentor. Now, I've had a few mentors in my life and I'm very fortunate to, to have them. But all mentors are not the same. They're not always appointed for the same reasons. You know, I have a mentor where I have spiritual talks with and sometimes business talks with. And Charles is really great for that. Uh, very kind, very generous, very wise. And then I have Andrea, different type of mentor, also very spiritual, but again, gifted in business but her focus is on something else. 
right? And her place in my life is for something else. At that time, it was Sean, right? The math teacher. And he'd been trying to get out too. He was running another business on the side and doing all of that. And we really hit it off. He was like right across the hall. And we would just talk after work or go out and get, you know, margaritas and wings. And uh, he'd talk about his life and what was going on. And he'd, I'd talk about my life and he'd ask me questions, you know, what, what's my dating life looking like out here in these Atlanta streets? And, <laughs> and I, I'd tell him, of course, all my escapades. And, you know, we talk about the school and teaching and wanting to do more. And one day it just came to like this space where he just spoke openly and was like, Nick, you should be doing more. It was point blank, matter of factly spoken. Nick, you need to be doing more. I know it. And you know it. And it's time for you to leave this place. You know, for a lot of people, I think we hear that. We come to those places where people pull us to the side, loved ones, friends, even strangers, speaking prophecy over us. You're gonna do this with your life one day and this is gonna happen. And you get quiet and it resonates because you know it's true you know in your heart of hearts you've been underperforming or that you've been intimidated and scared all of your flaws kind of float up into your your view like little bubbles just and you can kind of see all the instances you all the opportunities you you never took all the dreams and the visions you've had, all the talent that you've kind of squandered up until this point, you can see it and it's, it, it's soft. It's not like a punch to your gut and a slap in the face, even though I think for some it could be. But in my experience, it's, it's a quiet, soft, subtle reminder that here's what I've been telling you the whole time. I've been telling you, you're great. This, you're, and this is your inner me talking, right? This is who we are. We're patient, we're peaceful, we're kind, we're gentle, we're talented, we're intelligent. We have a gift for comedy, we have a gift for speaking, we have a gift for medicine, we have a gift for healing. And you just have refused to accept this or you've listened to what other people have said about you, but here's Sean telling me just like the kids have told you. And when it pings like that in you, when it really resonates, that's the truth. Because you gotta be real. You know when the BS doesn't hit. When somebody says something about you that's not true, you don't even feel that. You just move on. It doesn't even register. But when somebody hits on some sort of truth you've been hiding from yourself, you feel that. You may try to mask it, pretend, talk over this person, but you felt that. And that's what I felt. And this was right around the time in the following year, right, where I had to, again, 
I was at the point of, do I renew this contract? And I was faced with almost the identical situation of, what does our savings look like? Do we have another job lined up? What are we going to do? And I was asking myself all the questions, trying to find all the answers. And I, I, I didn't have them. And here's where faith comes in. It sometimes asks you, oftentimes asks you, to level up, to step up and into your life and take the journey without all the facts, without all the evidence, without all the resources. Because there's another level of life happening in the unseen. There is a game being played beyond the game if you would just trust that. I wanted to trust it. I was at the point I needed to. The idea of spending another year in this space of dissatisfaction, discontent, was more terrifying to me than taking the journey, than stepping into my destiny. If I had to, to, to develop one more lesson plan, if I had to tell one more kid to sit down, if I had to call one more parent, I was gonna lose it. And I love those kids, great kids, right? You gotta understand that, like I loved teaching. I loved using my gifts But the time and the place and the season for me to use those had expired. And I was there on borrowed time. I was there beyond the expiration to where my gift started to not work against me, but you start to have misgivings. You start to challenge all these different things because it's, not, it's no longer the right place and the right time and the right people. I was past that. So staying in that any longer to me was a big, big problem, and one I couldn't ignore. And so I remember standing outside in the parking lot with Sean, and we were talking about whether or not I was going to renew my contract. And I said, no, I don't think I am. I don't think I'm gonna to do that. See, this meeting of the mentor is designed in your journey to push you to the place where you know you should be. It's where you know you should be. I had to have those conversations and I had to be honest and I had to be given that level of contrast and awakening and revelation so that I could again be issued a choice because I had options and we always have options despite how bleak and dark and desperate our circumstances seem we always have options 
and the mentor steps in to remind us of that. Here's what you could be doing. Here's where you really should be. This is what I see in you. This is what God told me to tell you. Because that's not the end of it. Meeting the right person who's going to not gas you up, but just, you know, like Rafiki and Simba over there, he's like, you know, I know whose boy you are. You're Mufasa's boy. And then he goes into the, the water and he says, your father, he's still alive. And we know how that plays out. And he's like, he lives in you. It was me discovering the Mufasa in me and that I was heir to the throne. And whoever is listening, you are heir to the throne. But you've been out there in this oasis with Timon and Pumbaa chilling a little too hard, down on yourself a little too long, doing all the things you know you shouldn't do, all the things you know that don't work. The mentor helped me realize that. But then I had a choice to make. It was almost the same choice again, identically. And that's how it is until we decide, I think, to take our journey is that you're going to be faced with these opportunities to, again, step into who you really are. Like an onion to peel back all the layers and get down to the core. You can spend your entire life ignoring that taking some other path through some other thorn bush, climbing some tree, digging a hole, trying to swim across a lake. When, you know, God just said, simply just go down here like I told you to. And we will do anything. My God, we will do anything but that, won't we? <laughs> it, it's like, go left, I'm going right. Slow down, I'm speeding up. Stay low. There's enemy fire coming, and then you stand up and take, get riddled with bullets. Like, we just don't want to do what the heck we're supposed to do. And we just have all these opportunities sometimes to bounce back, to demonstrate some resilience, to get back where we need to be. And though you're going to be injured, <laughs> you're going to have some trauma, some tragedy, and some injury along that path when, you, when you're not doing what you need to do. Because the truth is, you could have that doing the right thing, right? So that's, that's kind of the irony. We do a lot of things to like avoid pain. And what happens usually is that we end up walking right into some more pain because we think the correct path is pain-free and it's not. You would know that if you've walked the path. You look at people who are successful who've made it and are happy and contented in life. And they'll tell you that it took work to get there. There were ups and downs, there was, there was pain in that. To have that 50 year marriage, there was some pain throughout those 50 years. In the words of T.D. Jakes, it takes work to be blessed, right? Again, T.D. Jakes, it takes strength to get the harvest. You can walk out into the field and see all the corn you see all the, the, the grove of oranges. And now you got to go pick them. You got to get up there and go shuck that corn or pick these oranges and put them in the, in, in the, in the basket, whatever. I'm not a farmer. <laughs> and you got to go 
had the strength to do that, to bend over, to, to reach, to pull, to push. That is all a part of it. So if you think you're going to duck some pain by going on the path of least resistance, you're fooling yourself. And that's what I was doing. I was fooling myself. So to kind of wrap things up, I refused the call, spent another year at the school, went through huge bouts of anxiety again, and what else? I hung out with Sean, gained some revelation, decided I no longer wanted to be there. It no longer served me to be there. And I went to my principal and she was like, I noticed you didn't sign a contract and it's the deadline today. And I said, I don't think I'm gonna sign it. She looked shocked, sad, a little scared. Because um, obviously that means finding another teacher. It means asking a lot of questions. So she gave me extra time. I think she gave me an extra week to make a decision. And each day I grew just a little bit stronger in my convictions with my resolve. Because I was like, in my head, I was like, no. I know there's gonna be some pushback and some blowback from this, but it doesn't matter. I, I don't want to, to do this. It's time for me to be who I'm supposed to be. And so after a week, I didn't turn it in, and that was that. I made a decision. I'm not going back. That meant every day after that, you gotta watch your money. And there's just so many things that came along with that, but the next step in the journey that we'll get to in the next episode is called crossing the threshold. And the threshold is that place, like if you're walking through a door, sometimes it's raised right there underneath the door. Um, is where you step over it and you cross from one place to the other. Right? You're leaving one room and entering another. And I was at the point now where by me saying I'm not coming back, I was crossing the threshold and I was going to enter a new world. Sneak peek. That new world is amazing. But you got to work for it. You don't deserve it. You got to work for it. You got to earn it. And there's more pain inside that new place than you could have ever imagined possible and so I'm going to spend the next episode talking about crossing the threshold and the allies and the enemies I met along the way folks this has been Finding Nicholas thank you so much for your time again I hope you're enjoying this again this is a bit different than what it's been but this new season and where we go from here is just going to be something different 
and, I, and I'm challenging you to wake up. I'm challenging you today to do the work, to listen to this and go back through your life and just pay attention to what you've been doing or not doing, what has been your medicine that has not been healing and not been working. You know what those things are. You know that burying your head in the sand and distracting yourself from whatever that thing is, you know what that is. So don't ignore that. Please do not ignore that. Um, yeah, get ready for this next episode because I'm coming with some heat. All right, folks, I'm out. <laughs>